Well, thanks guys. I am so excited to be here with you today. So as diverse as we all are from one another, we actually fall into some really similar patterns. For example, we're all born, so we did that. Congratulations. Um, but we're all born, and then we immediately cling to these larger humans that likely share our DNA. While we're still small, we bond with other small humans. We call them friends. And even though they take our toys and pick their noses, we for some reason prefer them above other small humans that happen to be running around. In adolescence, our social structures start to get a little bit more complex, but when you boil it down, we're really just choosing other humans that we prefer more than others. And then as adults, we do the strangest thing of all. We pick another human. We just kind of pick one, and we go, this one's mine for better or for worse. We pick someone to pay bills with, to do loads of laundry with, to fight with, to clean up after, to text while we're going to the bathroom. <laughs> you do it. And then if we're really crazy, we reproduce. We willingly give away our money and our time and our sleep and our sanity to tiny humans who throw up all over us and have unbelievable smells come out of them. Why? Why do we do any of this? It's because of love. Almost none of the things that we do make sense without love. We all want to live a life full of love. Not just romantically, but in our families, in our friendships. We want jobs that we love. We intentionally have children so we have more things to love. We go and acquire animals, call them our babies, and love them with belly rubs and with treats. We love to love, even objects. When we really like something, what do we say? We say, I love that. Oh my gosh, I love Chipotle. <laughs> we love to love. So much so our media reflects it. Our songs are about it. Poems are about it. Graffiti in bathrooms. Cologne commercials for some reason. It even sneaks its way into our action movies. I know that I want to live a life full of love. If my tombstone read, Sherry Richard, she lived a life of love, that would be incredible because that's what I desire almost more than anything else. But so often, I find myself struggling. I find myself angry, resentful, unhappy, jealous often. I find myself desiring a life of love, but it feels like it's just out of reach. If we want so badly to live a life full of love, then why do we struggle to do so? Like we all want Wi-Fi, right? So they put that stuff everywhere. When we want something, we're really good at getting it. Then why can't we figure out this love thing? 45% of us consider ourselves lonely. Most of us will go through some kind of uh, family estrangement within our lifetime. 50% 
of our marriages end in divorce. Our suicide rates are steadily increasing year over year. We have fewer and fewer friends that we can call on when we really need help. Dating apps are a, are a multi-billion, with a B, dollar industry. I'm not knocking dating apps, but if love was so easy, we wouldn't need this tool. We want to live a life filled with love, but for so many of us, it feels like it's just out of reach. If we want it so badly, why? can't we capture it so this summer we've been studying through the book of ephesians and in the first half the author paul he talks about who we are that we're masterpiece masterpieces that are made in the image of god and redeemed at the price of his son but we've also learned that while we may be made masterpieces we don't always behave like masterpieces Last week, Brent, he told us that we need to put off old dysfunctional ways of thinking, what he called stinking thinking, and that we need to put on new ways of thinking inspired by God. And so today, Paul is gonna show us how our old selves that we're called to put off may be keeping us from living a life of love. So we're gonna jump into Ephesians chapter five, verses one and two. And it says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us. So one thing that I've always loved about the way that Paul writes is because Paul writes for people like me and maybe for like, people like you, because I have to hear something more than one time to get it. And so Paul is really good at saying things multiple times in multiple ways to make sure that we really get it. So right here, he's trying to show us a significant truth, and he says it a couple of different ways. The first thing that we need to pay attention to is what we're being asked to do. Imitate God, therefore, in everything you do because you are his dear children. All right, this is what we've been talking about all summer. You are a masterpiece made in God's image, redeemed at the price of his son. If we're created in his image, we should imitate him like a child imitates a parent. So a few weeks ago, I was driving on 1604 and I got cut off really kind of severely. And under my breath, I said, come on, man. And my two-year-old from the back goes, come on, man. I'm just really glad I didn't say something else because then I probably wouldn't be telling this story. Anyway, <laughs> children are master imitators. And just as a child imitates a parent, we're called to imitate God. You were created a masterpiece in his image. But if the idea of imitating God seems a little, a little unobtainable, all right, Paul immediately tells us how. He says, live a life filled with love. We're told to imitate God. How? Live a life filled with love. Awesome, all right, that's great news because that's what most of us want to do anyway, but we're not always great at it. So how? Paul tells us. Following the example of Christ, he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us. All right, Jesus is God. If we're going to imitate God, it's Jesus who we need to be looking at. 
And there's a specific word that we need to pay attention to here, and it's the word offered. All right, in the Greek language, it's the weird word paradokin. It has the same root word as the word paradidomy, if you're familiar with that. It means to give your life away. Paul's making equivalent statements here. Imitate God. Live a life of love. Give your life away. Imitate God. How? Live a life of love. How? Give your life away. When I was a kid, I was probably around six years old, I remember someone saying something like, you know, it's so much better to give than it is to receive. And as a six-year-old, I thought that was about the dumbest thing I'd ever heard in my life. (laughs) Right? It's so much better to get stuff than it is to give stuff, right? But as I've gotten older, I've realized the truth in that statement. Because when we love, we give. We give our time, we give our efforts, we give our money to the people and to the things that we love. We literally give our life. We give what we have to the things that we love. Love is giving your life away. Imitate God. How? Live a life of love. How? Give your life away. So many of us want this. We want to live a life of love. We want something to give our lives away to. We want it so badly, but we just can't capture it. Why can't we do this? Why do we struggle to live a life of love? Paul explains why just a few verses later in verse eight. He says, for once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good, what is right, and what is true. If we can take this whole section of scripture and boil it down to a single statement, it would be this. If you want to live a life of love, you have to walk in light. If you want to live a life of love, you have to walk in light. And somewhere deep down, I think we know that this is true because we see it go wrong all the time. We see it in our lives. We see it in the lives of the people around us. We see it in the lives of people we know of at a distance. How many legacies have been lost over scandals? How many marriages have been wrecked by something that's been kept in darkness? How many jobs have been lost, families torn apart, friendships broken, lives shattered because someone failed to walk in light? If you want to live a life of love, you have to walk in light. No one has ever been estranged from a loved one just because. Guys, that's not a good enough reason and we know it. It's almost always because of some kind of darkness. And my heart aches for those who lose so much because of some kind of darkness. But the truth is we are all capable of it. You cannot live a life of love if you do not walk in light. If you're wondering what Paul means by darkness and light, he actually gives us some examples of the kind of darkness that keep us from living a life of love in verses three through seven. And he highlights some specific behaviors. 
And he highlights these behaviors not because they're the worst things that we can do, but because they were the most prevalent issues amongst the people that he was writing to. And therefore, they were the greatest barriers to living a life of love. And they are sexual sins and the words that come out of our mouths. Now, Paul, remember, he likes to repeat himself to make sure that it sinks in. So he lists several sexual sins to make sure that we really get it. And he talks about sexual immorality, impurity, and sexual conquest, or what we might call today sexual addiction. If you were writing this letter today, it would likely include things like pornography, sex outside of marriage, hookup apps, strip clubs, I mean, basically any objectification of another person is never going to be okay. Now, quick time out, because Paul isn't calling all sex bad. Sex is good. God created sex to be good, to be great. Like, that's awesome. But it was created for a marriage relationship. Too often we try to fabricate love. We try to fill this hole with a, with a hookup or with an image on a screen with an affair or with an infatuation. But you cannot live a life of love if you do not walk in light. Remember those equivalent statements we made earlier? Imitate God. How? Live a life of love. How? Give your life away. Sexual sin is always about taking and never about giving your life away. It isn't good, it isn't right, and it isn't true. You cannot live a life of love if you do not walk in light. And the other uh, behavior that Paul talks about are the words that come out of our mouths. He talks about obscene stories, foolish talk, and coarse jokes. It's not what any of us want to hear, but we probably know that we could afford to cuss a little less and to be a little less crude. A couple of months ago, I went to lunch with a, a group of friends and there was a man there who I had never met before. So my good friend, she introduced him to me by saying, this is my friend Sherry, she's a pastor. And so for the next hour that we were together, this man proceeded to apologize to me every time he cussed. And he was a rather chatty guy and he had a lot to say that needed what we'll call some special emphasis. And so he was apologizing to me like a lot, which was ultimately unnecessary as nothing that he said was shocking to me or even really, it didn't really even offend me. But my point is, we all know the kinds of things that we should and that we shouldn't say. If you need to apologize for something, maybe just don't say it whether that's profanity, whether that's something crude or distasteful, whether that's something hateful. I think we could all name a relationship that's been derailed by the words that have come out of our mouth, myself included. Your words have power, you know that. Wield them well. Let your words be good, let them be right, and let them be true. You cannot live a life of love if you do not walk in light. And Paul says one more thing that I think we need to hear. In verse six, he tells us not to be fooled by those who would excuse these sins, who would excuse these behaviors. 
Because if we get really real, guys, we are really good at justifying our own behaviors, at justifying our own darkness. And we're pretty good at finding other people that are good at backing us up on that too. Right, it's that friend in your inner circle that you can text when something's not going your way. All right, the one that's gonna back you up. The one that's gonna tell you that you're the best and that everyone else is the worst. And guys, we all need people in our corner. We all need people who can build us up. But what we don't need are people who are going to constantly tell us that wallowing in darkness is okay. No matter what anyone tells you, you cannot live a life of love if you do not walk in light. So what do you do? You wanna live a life of love. So how do you walk in light? There's two things we have to do. And the first, we have to ditch the darkness. We have to ditch the darkness. Remember in verse 5-1, it said, imitate God in everything you do. If you have something going on in your life that you know is darkness, ditch it. Get it as far away from you as you possibly can. You might be thinking, well, Sherry, how do I know if something's darkness? All right, it's easy. Let's look at verse nine. For this light within you produces only what is good, right, and true. Is what you're doing good? Is what you're doing right? Is what you're doing true? If the answer is no to any of these questions, ditch it. All right, think about the examples that Paul mentioned. Sexual sins, not good, not right, not true, ditch them. The words coming out of your mouth, if they're not good, right, and true, ditch them. The people who tell you that darkness is okay, that's not good, that's not right, that's not true, you may have to ditch them. Now, I know what some of you are thinking. Like, sure, you can't just ditch people. Like, that's a jerk move, all right? I hear you. But hear me out. Is what they bring to your life good? Is it right? Is it true? If the answer to all of those questions is yes, awesome. All right, get them on your team. Have them hold you accountable to walking in light and becoming the masterpiece that God created you to be. If not, you may need to create some distance between you and them to lessen their influence on you. You may need to remove them from your inner circle so that you can learn to walk in light. If you want to live a life of love, you have to walk in light. What do you need to ditch today? And the other thing that we need to do if we wanna walk in light is we have to actually seek the light. Right? We have to seek light. We don't just stumble into the light. We have to seek it out. Ditching the darkness is all about getting what's not good, right, and true away from you, as far away from you as you possibly can. Seeking the light is about filling our lives with things that are good, right, and true. It's about filling our inner circle with people and behaviors that help us live a life of love. Can I tell you what that looks like in my life? It looks like going to church so that I can be filled and challenged. It means reading scripture and praying so that I can learn who God is and so I can imitate him. It's surrounding myself with people who are gonna help me seek the light and help me become the masterpiece that I was created to be. It's not easy, it's work, but you cannot live a life of love if you do not walk in light. 
ditch the darkness. Get those things as far away from you as humanly possible and then seek the light. Create an inner circle of people and things and behaviors around yourself that are going to help you live a life of love. I'm very fortunate that I have a great inner circle. Not because I'm great, I'm just very fortunate. Right? I have a husband whose name is Wes, who I'm very much in love with. I have two beautiful children that I love endlessly. I have family and friends who I love, who love me, who challenge me constantly, sometimes more than I'd like. I, have, I, I try to make God a daily part of my life. I try to give my life away as much as I can. And at a distance, I probably look like I'm living a life of love. But a while back, I began to recognize a darkness in my own life. Remember last week, Pastor Brent, he shared with us that his, what he struggles with is anger. What I struggle with is pride. And it manifests itself in the way that I present myself to others. I put a lot of effort into controlling the way that people see me. And it got so bad and it had gone on for so long that I started to identify more with this facade that I had created than I identified with the truth. What I was doing wasn't good, it wasn't right, and it certainly was not true. And you cannot live a life of love if you do not walk in light. And while I so desired it to live a life of love, this darkness, this pride could have easily derailed it like that if I didn't get it under control. And I knew that living this half-life, that it wasn't acceptable. And I knew that I needed to stop. But here's the kicker. Darkness doesn't want to be ditched. And so I started kind of negotiating with myself. And I convinced myself I made a deal with myself that I don't need to go through the ugly process of tearing this out by the roots. You know, I'll just tuck it away. I'll just stop the behavior. There's no need to deal with the ugly consequences. There's no need to bruise my ego. But like I said, I'm fortunate to have an inner circle. And so as I was talking to my husband, Wes, about this, he reminded me of someone in our lives, somebody I'm gonna call Hank. Now, Hank is approaching the end of his life. He's a great person, someone we love dearly, and he's someone who clearly desires to live a life of love, but there's this darkness. Right? You can see anger, you can see bitterness, but most of all, you can see this overwhelming amount of guilt, and its roots run so deep. And as much as Hank wants to live a life of love, that darkness, it's like it just keeps him tethered down. It's like it's pressing down on him constantly, holding him back from living a life of love. And you can tell that it pains him so much. I would venture to guess for a half a century, he struggled with this. He's never been able to ditch his darkness. He's held on to it and he's hidden it away. And you can't live a life of love if you do not walk in light. And as I was talking to my husband, Wes, about my own struggles, he said to me, he said, Sherry, if you don't pull this out by the roots, you're going to end up just like Hank. 
And I panicked because I knew he was right. If I didn't get a grasp on this darkness, it was absolutely going to keep me from living a life of love. It was going to keep me from authenticity. It was going to keep me from truly being known by the people that I loved. It was going to keep me from effectively doing work that I loved. When my husband said that to me, I couldn't ditch the darkness fast enough because when I held that darkness up next to the life of love that I wanted to live, it seemed so small and so insignificant. And the thought of missing out on a life of love for something as silly as pride, for something as silly as impressing someone, a life of love is an incredible thing to lose for the momentary pleasure of gaining someone's esteem. What I was doing wasn't good, it wasn't right, and it wasn't true. Now, I know some of you may be rolling your eyes going, goodness, Sherry, is that the worst problem you have? Like, I wish my problems were that simple. All right, y'all, I got 99 problems and pride's just one of them. But let me tell you something. It doesn't matter how big your darkness, it doesn't matter how small the darkness in your life is. You cannot live a life of love if you do not walk in light, period. You need to take that darkness and you need to hold it up next to that life of love that you want to live. And I can guarantee that you are going to see that it's not worth all of the things that you can lose. You have to ditch the darkness. That pride, ditch it. That affair, ditch it. That anger, that pornography, those spending habits that are putting you in debt, that addiction, that favorite four-letter word, that anger, that flirtatious relationship you have with your coworker, whatever isn't good good, right, and true, grab hold of it, pull it up by the roots, and never look back at it. And then seek the light. Fill your inner circle with things and people and behaviors that are good, that are right, that are true. Ditch the darkness and seek the light. If you want to live a life of love, you have to walk in light. Will you guys pray with me? Oh God, I thank you so much that you created us with the capacity to love God. What an incredible gift. God, you created each of us so uniquely, God, and you know each and every one of us so uniquely, God. And so I pray that you would show each and every one of us in a specific as a way as possible, God. I, would, I just pray that you would show us what that darkness is that we need to ditch. And then I pray, God, that you would show us in a very specific way how we need to seek the light. I pray that you would just clear this path in front of us and show us what the next right step is to do, God. God, we love you. Thank you so much for your love. Thank you so much for creating us as masterpieces, God. And please help us, God, just to live out our lives as the masterpieces that you have created us to be. God, we love you. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen.